Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Simon and Danny Murphy discuss the Premier League voting not to enforce a temporary ban on loan deals between clubs with the same owners. Plus, it's two years to the day since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's sacking at Manchester United. Has there been an improvement since then? And the Premier League returns this weekend with a bang as Manchester City host Liverpool. We preview the game, which is live and exclusive on Talk Sport. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. The great and the good of the Premier League gathered yesterday and they had a vote. Well, they were talking about a whole bunch of things. But um, the question is, have the Premier League missed a trick in not closing the multi-club ownership avenue. Um, The vote to enforce a temporary ban on loan deals between clubs with the same owners fell one short, one short, ended up 13-7. 14 votes were needed. Uh, And that would have brought about a ban. It didn't happen. So it's reported the clubs who voted against the move, Newcastle, Man City, Chelsea, Everton, Wolves, Forest and Sheffield United, they won the day. So in other words, Simon, it's still allowable for clubs under the same ownership to loan players between each other. Yep. What's your take on that? Because as you said... It's a poor decision. Yeah, this was simply Turkey's voting for Christmas, right? It's a poor decision. Um, and you look at the clubs that have likely voted for it, Man City, Newcastle, Sheffield United, Chelsea, Wolves, and so I understand Everton, because Everton are just fed up with the Premier League full stop, and perhaps people would say understandably, most of those clubs have Middle Eastern money. So there's no un- so you're looking at vested interest. You're looking at the nature of those particular football clubs having vested interest in maintaining this particular scenario, because at this moment in time, the game in town is Saudi, Saudi's got all the money in terms of the, the, the expectations are going to spend lots and lots of money, create lots of opportunities, and they own a significant portion of these football clubs. So I think it's a poor, poor decision. You, even, you know, the idea that we're trying to get some form of governance into the game, not to stifle entrepreneurialism, not to stifle capital investment, not to maintain cartels, but to maintain some form of order and to maintain some sort of governance over football clubs so they're not dependent on individuals that may change their minds or run out of money, is the order of the day. And in this instance, vested interest overcomes the common good of what football probably requires, which is not allowing this to go on. But 
because of the nature of the voting criteria, the grown-ups in the room that don't have vested interest would have voted against this. The ones that do. Are Man City going to vote, vote against it? Of course they're not. The are, Chelsea, are Chelsea going to vote against it? Of course they're not. Why are Chelsea not going to vote against it? Because half the money that's gone into buying Chelsea is Middle Eastern money that's funded Clear Lake's purchase of, um, or Clearwater's purchase, or is, is it Clear Lake or Clearwater? Clear remember. Lake. Clear Lake. Yeah. Uh, purchase and approved private equity. So all of these guys, Sheffield United, Middle Eastern money, you look at it and go, okay, fantastic, well done. What a What's wonderful... argument? It creates an unfair advantage. Like, of course it does. Well, it creates an opportunity to find your way around challenges like financial fair play and find your way around situations where you've created, you've solved a problem by selling a player to another football club uh, or a football club that you're associated with that gets him off your books and, and breaches and gets you away from the obligations you have on financial fair and then you loan him back. Yeah, but oh, the, uh, brilliant. I, I, well I, done. I, I get the cynicism around... Excellent. The cynicism around why the decisions were made and who's making them for what reason, fine. But the outcome... It's not that important because the outcome of this decision isn't going to make a big difference. You, if you, if you, you offer, I'm with you in that. Let, Danny. let me tell you why. I, I know where you're if going you, with if it. you think of the amount of loan players that have ever turned up in January from all over the world and had an impact, there's very few. And if they were that good, these players who they're bringing in in January, they'd already be in the squads. So you might be filling a hole here and there. So you ne- for talking say, you're, talk, you're talking about the football side of things. You're talking yeah, about... Yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah but that's but yeah, so, no, I'm, talk, I'm not it, talking about the not, cynicism around the, the decision-making. But, but you're basically saying if Neves was to go to Newcastle in, under an it's, instance like this, yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not going to, no. because of the Tonali situation, him being out, that he's not going to clinch in the Premier League title. Like? Is he heck? If he was that good, he'd be. But that's, but that, that, that's and that's. If that's, he was that good, Jimmy, be it one of the be it Newcastle, be it one of the. But teams that's not already. really the raging argument about the why they want it stopped. Well, no, but I'm They don't want it stopped because they're going to get a good player on the cheap in a situation that gets them into. You've still a got paid the wages, and you're only allowed a certain amount of loan. Argument. But you're only allowed a certain amount of loan players. And side. that's fine, but that's not their argument. The Who's argument, they? The, the argument for the 13 clubs that clearly think it's a sensible so thing. So for their the arguments about what FFP? The, the, of course it is. That's fine. Of course it is. But, but That's the only argument in the room. Your argument is a football, is a micro level, not being able to loan these players. They'll get another player on loan then. Exactly. And your, and your argument will still be that that player wouldn't solve the problem. So it's not about whether this player is going to kick them up a couple places in the league. But that's what some people's narrative is. Well, that's the that's the, maybe the football which manager's is narrative. But the actual owners that are voting in the room, right, they're not thinking, oh, maybe this is going to kick this club up. They're looking at it going, this is a way around financial governance. Mm. This is a way that bucks a system mm. at a time. It's like we had this argument yesterday about the Give agents. Give me a simplified example of, of that. How, how has it changed because it's a club that you own? Well, because if, you're, if you've got Saudi... If, if, if the case in point is Saudi, it's been characterised as being a Newcastle problem. It's not a Newcastle problem. There's ownership in the Middle East of our football clubs already. So this idea that these, these clubs that are now buying football clubs, and specifically Saudi right now for the purpose of this conversation, are buying players that are taking financial fair play problems away from the player that they buy, the club they're buying him from. Initially so, when they sign him. So yeah. they buy him. So if somebody gets rid of, dumps a financial fair yeah. play problem because they've got a £40 million player that's stinking the place out, they want to get rid of him, they take him off their books, they haven't got the cost implications okay. of him, and they capitalise their balance sheet. He then gets loaned back to another Saudi football club, so that facilitates a solution for the first football club in terms of getting around their financial fair play, and back he comes through the door and f- provides a solution to another Saudi-owned football club. It can't be right for football. Mm. It can't be right. Now, with that in mind... Vested interest has overcome collective responsibility, and this is the irony of football. And and what you know, we were arguing yesterday. Why, why would why would Everton vote for it? Because I think they just or, or, it, it, well, it, honestly, because I think they're keeping their options open about who's going to fund the purchase of Everton Football Club mm. uh, and, and who's going to make up the money for Seven 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 Capital to come in and buy it and yeah, fund it. Makes Ooh, sense. And also, Wolves Forest because Wolves have got a great relationship with the Middle East. You look at Forest. I would, I'm, you know, I don't know if Forest have voted against it. I do know, in principle, my understanding without knowing specifically well, the six, the, the six club that I'm talking about have vested interest. Right, the seventh one I couldn't find out yesterday. 
you, you guys are alluding to the fact well, that it might the, be Nottingham Forest or Burnley. I don't know that argument. Voting against Forest would make uh, voting against this process from happening. In other words, the, the warning need, of the players from happening. Newcastle, Man City, Chelsea, Everton, Wolves, Forest, and Sheffield United. Yeah, but that's not. Uh, well, I've got Man City, Newcastle, Sheffield United, Chelsea. Wolves and Everton. That's the six I've got. Well, yeah, Forest right. must be in there. So there's one more you need to get to the quorum. Well, Forest, yeah, yeah. Forest right. so I don't know who the seventh is. Forest I'm going to give you that. It's understood it's Forest. Okay. Well, that may well be because he owns Olympiacos. Exactly. He fancies this argument about multi-club ownership. So everything's about vested interest. You know, we discussed we yeah. discussed the principles of collective responsibility and bargaining and all that goes with it yesterday about agents and everything else that goes in the game. The irony of it is, is that when it suits people... They want collective Oh, no, 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 no. We should all be paying the same amount of money down to the EFL. It shouldn't be weighted up. The big clubs are arguing it shouldn't be weighted up. Now, when the dynamic suits the individual clubs, hang on, all for ourselves. It is the, it's the wrong move. All the big clubs in the league, besides this the ones that have best interest, are not for this. I, I, I see where you're going with it. Danny, we'll carry it on the other side of the break, but I might put it out there, Simon. Why a Premier League vote? Is it not a FIFA issue? Should it not be in that domain? Because we know what the likes of Saudi-owned Newcastle United are going to do. But they and we, and you've the, just established why Forrest under Maranakis might do the same. But maybe it should be, but the FIFA are the international federation and not the domestic governance. Yeah. And ultimately, you look at the situation and say, well, that each league has its own obligations. Certain leagues will allow certain things to happen, like foreign ownership or certain uh, nation states owning football clubs in different countries. Our po policies are slightly different. Okay. Many of you uh, asking questions, asking me to ask Simon a couple of questions uh, on this matter. The vote to enforce a temporary ban uh, amongst uh, Premier League uh, executives yesterday on loan deals between clubs with the same owners. It fell short. Uh, the club's voting 13-7 in favour of a ban. Now, it's reported the clubs who voted against the move to stop the, the loan deals from uh, same ownership clubs involve Newcastle, Manchester City, Chelsea, Everton, Wolves, Forest and Sheffield United. Newcastle, Manchester City. Yeah, you might predict. Um, but I, I was into Simon as we were into the break there. Yeah, what, why is that a Premier League vote? Why should it not be a FIFA issue and then the outcome would be different? As long as, long as it's a Premier League vote, you've got individuals in the vote who have very much vested interest. You mean it's a FIFA policy Correct. rather than a FIFA vote? Because FIFA don't govern the domestic game. That's it's an not, international issue. It, well, it is an international issue, but each federation, each country have its own domestic policies. So it's not FIFA's governance that that, that, uh, that uh, affords jurisdiction over what happens with the individual leagues. And the individual leagues should be able to make individual decisions based upon the economic climate in which those leagues perform in. Yeah, but why ask clubs who have a vested interest in getting the right outcome, ask them to vote? Because, you know how they're going to vote. Be, well, you, you, you do and you don't. You would have expected. I would not have expected to have seen. Um, I can. I can. The usual suspects. Would I have expected Man City? Yeah. Would I have expected Newcastle? Yes. Would I have expected Sheffield United? Yes. Would I have expected Chelsea? Yes. And why would I have expected those four clubs? Because Middle Eastern money props up Chelsea's acquisition. Middle Eastern money owns Sheffield United. Man City's owned by Middle Eastern money. Newcastle's owned by Middle Eastern money. So I would have expected those four clubs. Would I have expected a couple of outliers in there? Wolves, um, and because of their particular perspective and persuasion on certain yeah. deals. Yes, yeah. I might have done. Would I have expected... Um, uh, Forest is logical in some way. The vote was 13-7. They needed 14. Is a quorum of 14 too yeah. much? Should it not just be a majority? But that is the majority. 
um, the majority would be 13, wouldn't it, still? The, the, the point is, is that... No, you could have a different outcome. You can have a... Yeah, yeah, 14 seems too high a but that, but that is a structure that's been put in place for some significant period of yeah, time. Because, you, because you've got six... You've got six typically big clubs yeah. that if they vote the way they want, then all they need is one more. It's incumbent because we tend to have these discussions that are driven by the big six clubs wanting to do something, yeah. which may not necessarily be for the better interests of the other 14 clubs. So if you've, if you've already got six in the bag, right, as the six clubs that are already looking for something to be changed, which is normally to their advantage, yeah. they only need to get one more and they're across, across the line. There's Jamie who's saying, I'm loving Simon on this, but I need more information. Oliver and Hove are saying the same thing. Right, Simon seems to be saying that clubs gaining an advantage by borrowing players from other clubs with the same ownership isn't really the issue. Correct. So can he now explain... The precise issue. Well, the precise issue is the financial. F- it's not about clubs getting a better player on the pitch uh, as a loan deal. It's about the clubs in the division looking at the me- the mechanics of how financial governance is going to be sought to be overridden by the ownership models that are now coming into football. And if you start to close the doors, and one of them is, for example, if you've got Saudi money invested in a football club, interesting, Brighton didn't vote for it. They're a multi-club ownership deal as well. That's true. Um, you know, if you've got Saudi money invested in one particular football club, and they sell a player at a, at a price that suits the football club that's selling it. So Chelsea sell Benjamin, um, or the goalkeeper, uh, Mendy. Mendy. Not Benjamin Mendy, the, the other Mendy. Mm. And they get 40 million quid from him. He's not really worth that kind of Edward money. Mendy, but it's, yeah. Well, so let's Mendy. say he's worth yeah. 20 and they get 40. Right. So that money Chelsea, goes to Chelsea. So Chelsea have now got a rid of a player they don't want. They've got an obligation off their books from financial fair play. Saudi have effectively bought the club because we know that Saudi's a player because we know Saudi are funding everything in Saudi. The mm. state are funding all aspirations, most of the football clubs in there with a desire to be able to build them up. At the same time as having ownership in our football league, they then, they then take a player off Chelsea's book, remove a financial fair play for, uh, problem for Chelsea because they've got Saudi money in Chelsea and they can loan this player back to someone else if it suits them to. Right. So it's not about the Saudi side of the equation. It's about what's happening in our league. Well, just to be clear they don't once they've signed the player for an inflated price that helps Chelsea or whoever else does it they don't then have to loan them to another club do they what would what would what would they uh, can what, still they can still manipulate financial fair play without the loan system in of place. course but if yeah. you but if you close the door you make it less attractive for them to do so because Saudi wants investment into English clubs they want English clubs to be successful I get that yeah. but we're trying to so simplify so it for so, layman so what do you, what happens next is some 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 Saudi owned football club in England or whatever Middle Eastern country is whatever country it's from right wants to wants to decide that they they buy an XYZ player from XYZ Club for a huge amount of money because it helps XYZ Club in the Premier League get past some financial fair play and then loan him back to him. But is this not what's been like going that? on at all? Second, Has it gone on at all of any level? This no, but, but, but we've, we're only beginning to see now the absolute motivation of what's happening in certain parts of I'm the world you. and the challenges yeah. that could happen to the understanding. What I've said all along is let's have the Saudis spend as much money as they want. Let them participate in world football. Who should stop them? But let's make sure that the governance that we all have to live by doesn't get compromised by what the Saudis do. So what we say... So, what... Saudis, so the Saudis get put, put under some sort of financial fair play regime and consequences. They buy our players from our, from our domestic league, prepared to pay inflated prices to it because they want to protect an investment in English football because that's the real... Yeah, yeah, sharing that, the, and then that. they loan it back to get around... No, you've got to close those doors. Yeah, so what I'm you're not, saying is, in, an, in an ideal yeah. world, you want the, the loan system... Being able to loan players from clubs you own stopped and furthermore yeah. on top of that the most important bit would be long term to have the inability to buy players from a club that has but, but you're, what you're the same to, investment what you're trying to do is you're, it's, it's like putting fingers in a dike in terms of a dam you know you you don't want you, you you can't stop it because you've got this situation where you've got you've allowed multi club ownership 
if you've got multi-club ownership and you're trying to enforce well, you can governance, stop them spending. You, well, you, if you're trying to enforce governance, then you're going to have the argument about restriction of trade. Okay. Then you're going to have the argument about a whole raft of things because people that are seeking to get round it, multi-club ownership provides a compromise to financial governance. Everybody knows it does because it will be utilised in a way and even more glaringly if you've got this particular agenda from one particular part of the world that's also owning football clubs now in our country that's being used to be able to to do these sort of deals. If you close it down now, you'll then move on to the next level of closing down something else because we're we're trying to get governance. We're about to hit the 11 o'clock bulletin. Before we go, there's one message. So, Simon, in theory, could a Saudi-owned club by Bruno Guimaraes from Newcastle, say for 150 million quid, if Newcastle needed to balance their books, and then that Saudi club loans them back to Newcastle. Well, in, I, mean, I don't know if that if that particular um, transaction, or in terms of, of 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 ownership models that own one another, can do that deal as it stands right now. But if they can, it's precisely what you don't want, which is what I just said a moment ago. Yeah. What I said was the last thing you want to see is a, a different agenda from a different part of the world breaking the system. We've seen it. I don't care what Man City fans say. We've seen it. We've also seen it done previously in other incarnations. We've seen it done by Abramovich, and we've seen to some extent it done by Jack Walker, all in different guises. And 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 we're trying to get to a point, and should want to get to a point, where there's not a cartel, but there is an ability to football to stand on its own two feet without needing to be propped up by other people's money. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Danny, two years on from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's sacking. Despite all the criticism, was it all that bad? Um, when he went, Manchester United were seventh, 12 points behind uh, Chelsea. Um, he went two years almost to the day. In fact, it was two years last night, was it not? Yes, it was. And the final straw for Ole was a 4-1 defeat 
at the hands of Watford. This was only post-match. The results are not uh, good enough. We know that. We've gone 30 games unbeaten away from home. Now we'll lose two on the bounce, conceding four goals in both of them. So, of course, something's wrong. I feel for the fans and I feel with the fans and I'm, I feel the, the same as them. We're embarrassed losing uh, the way we do. We know we've been, we are in a, in a very bad run, a bad situation. But that's part of football and I know they'll support the team and whoever's uh, on the pitch every single day and then sometimes you've got to say sorry and that was a, a sorry for the uh, performance Well as far as Ollie was concerned it was sorry from uh, the people in the top brass at United straight after that because they sacked him is it, is it odd Danny Murphy that two years on to the day we're still talking about the deficiencies of Manchester United Is it odd? Um, Where did they no, go I, to? I wouldn't say it's odd I think if there has been any improvement it's minimal um, last season was a success, I suppose, considering where they'd been in terms of finishing in the Champions League position and winning that League Cup. But they've gone backwards again this season, so there's still a lot of problems. Yeah. Uh, I think most United supporters would have expected bigger improvement in two years with the money they've spent and the appointment they made. Um, but we've talked about the injury crisis. We've talked about Ten Hag learning on the job. I think there's a mountain to climb for Manchester United to become competitive again. And when I say competitive, I mean latter stage of Champions League and competing for the Premier League. They're well off it. Yeah, I mean... Still talk, well off it. Talk about treading water, Simon. They were second and third under your friend Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah. He left them seventh. They're sixth today. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, as Danny says, minimal is the right. If there's been any improvement, it has to be minimal, if at all. 24 months, where have they got to? Yeah, I don't think there's been huge amounts of improvements. I think there's a culture that's been embedded and ingrained in Manchester United over a period of time, a tacit acceptance from those that seem to play for the football club that they don't have the same obligations as generations gone past. I think there's been a poor performance in the boardroom. And I think Ten Hag has not done as much as I anticipated he might do for this season. But mm. we're only into the beginning of this season. Yeah, we are. And they've not played well, and yet they're still sick from the league. Um, and so with that in mind you could price it in if they played as badly for other people and has been as, as poor as they've been they might not even be six in the league if they had a different manager namely Onegana Solskjaer I had a problem with his appointment from the start not because I don't like the man and not because I don't respect his contribution to the game but I do dislike rewarding mediocrity and mm. I don't think the credentials were there to manage Manchester United I do think that the two and a half or three years that he was there the actual settling down on the, on, the, on the acceptance of Manchester United being a club that doesn't actually have to have players performing at their highest level understanding their responsibility of what it really involved being a Man United player was embedded far deeper into the psyche of Man United than it needed to have been, needed to have been. so that makes Ten Hag's jobs more difficult so I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should be persona non grata, but I think it should be called for what it is. Yes, okay, we can bring out the statistics that they finished second and third. I don't know what the league composition was and who performed well in the league at that particular time because I don't have that information in front of me. But it's fact. It, it, it may fight. well be. If anyone believes, if anyone genuinely believes that the solution to the question was leave Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in, in, in situ, I don't, I don't know what to say to that. If we're comparing and contrasting what the situation would have been if we'd have kept Oligon, that, that road had been run, I that think path had been trodden. You were reaching the point where players like Bruno Fernandes were playing the way that they were, their attitude towards the manager was what it was. The manager was done. Done. If he ever, Even if he wasn't done before, he was done. We saw the end of it in the last game against Watford where it was shocking. I think comparisons are inevitable but not, not necessarily valuable in terms of what's That's coming right. forward and what's going to happen. 
the fact is Ten Hag's got a run of games coming up now where he's, he's under huge pressure to get some decent performances even if the results aren't particularly yeah. you know they've got some really tough games coming up so it's going to be a testing time for all of them mm. and goodness um, there'll be a beer pit on Sunday yeah I, I, my, my gut feeling is what I said the other week on the show and I think it's the feeling of a lot of people now is that it's it's inevitable there'll be somebody else in charge there next season mm. we talk about upholding standards Danny is that the role of the manager or the player well it's both but it's mainly the player uh, sorry mainly the manager's job um, to make sure that everybody's on board and be I mean players do have their say a lot especially the more elevated they get in terms of status position and success um, and I think I mean my, my experience is Gerard Houllier, God bless him, he, he he was an amazing manager in many ways. And one of the first things I thought was a brilliant idea, and Simon might laugh at this and think it's nonsense, but I, I think it was a clever way of showing us who's boss in his way. And we used to have a suggestion box at the beginning, I think I've told you before, Si, the beginning of this season, suggestion box, because he was sick of the lads moaning, we want this, we want that, blah, 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 blah. And a couple of examples would be, Something small like, you know, we don't really want to wear suits for home games. We're much more comfortable in track suits. Oh, that's And reasonable. then another one would be, we used to stay, for example, in Europe. When we go away in Europe, we'd stay in hotels the night after the game and fly back the next day, whereas some teams fly straight back. The lads didn't want to do it. They wanted to get home. Yeah. So what he did is he'd take all the suggestions. And the next day we'd have a meeting, we'd have a flip chart. And, for example, he'd, he'd, he'd give a little. And he'd, so, for example, with the suits, he'd say, well, if you want to wear track suits, that... I can How live, did you vote? Suits or tracksuits? I can live with that. Tracksuits. So oh, right. Okay. It wasn't a vote. He's, oh, the, he's the manager. They're suggestions. Oh, I see. So he said, okay, you know, as long as we're smart and we all do it, you know, fine. No hats and all that. We'll, we'll do suit. Uh, we'll do tracksuits. Hat. Mm -hmm. Then he pulled up a list of all the points won in the Premier League the weekend after European games. And we were top by quite a way. And he said, that's why we stay in hotels the night after a European game. So we're still staying in hotels the night after a European game. Uh -huh. Forget that next one. Right. And the majority of things would stick. Yeah. They'd be his decisions, but he'd give us a little bit. And the players always felt, we're leaving the room, we'd had our say, we'd got a little bit, and it was done. So... He's letting the players. You did achieve Bracelet. Uh, well, no, nothing. we did. We got. We got. <laughs> right. We got a few things. But do you understand where I'm coming yes. from? Yes. It yeah. was a clever way. So, it was a in. clever way of him saying, "I'm in charge. This is what I'll give you a little bit, but this is what's happening." Right. You see, at Liverpool now. I mean, you say when it comes to upholding standards, it, it it's really the role of the manager as opposed to. Uh, I think uh, so. As at Liverpool these days, um, and it's changed clearly. Um, it's said that Pep Linders, the assistant, liaises with the players on everything from the upcoming training schedule to travel arrangements for away trips and what clothing needs to be worn. Oh, there you go. Their inputs relate to Klopp where necessary. Mm. But um, having said all that, Klopp and Linders talk about the need for the squad to be largely autonomous rather than players relying on staff to keep reminding everybody of standards. Well, if you get good recruitment, so, if you get good players in, Jim, like at Fulham, and I'll use Fulham as a good example. We had Andy Johnson, people like Aaron Hughes, myself, people who've been around the block, yeah? A lot of players who've been, been in Damien Duff been playing a long time if we signed someone who came into training and started giving it the big and wasn't putting it in and started dictating he'd be put in his place quite quickly the manager wouldn't have to do it because you've got some senior players who you've recruited well who you know will keep the dressing room in a certain level of order on top of that the manager 
would also have his rules and, and make sure that everything was... If it got past us... Right. So you so, can identify with this, that Klopp's almost the last port of call at Liverpool because he's focusing on everything else like how we win the good next managers let Good managers make players think that they're having a, an input and they're part of the process. Ultimately, they're not really. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. dictating to Klopp and Linders what goes on in training. I tell you, I tell Isn't you, that leadership, you, Simon? Letting well, people below you think they're having... Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Convinced. Did you have a suggestion box for the players at uh, I, Palace? I, I, no, I think the managers <laughs> should be effective in the way they want to... You've got to treat players like adults. You've got to create a culture where they behave like adults. Yeah. And I would suggest to you that Klopp has created a culture inside that football club that enables him to, de to give the perception of a degree of autonomy. Like convincing, giving somebody an idea, convincing it's convincing them that it's their own, and then telling them how wonderful the idea was. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's yeah. how management works. It's clever management. And you, sh I mean, these are grown men. These are grown men that are very well remunerated, have strong opinions about how they should and shouldn't be treated in the life that they live now. So the best way to manage them is by by giving them the perception of a, a degree of autonomy. But the standards have been set. I don't think we could argue irrespective of whether we think Liverpool's achievements have been as monumental as we would think they would be given the amount of profile that Klopp gets, I don't think we could really argue that the standards of Liverpool Football Club aren't very high. No. And that true. the players that play for him don't understand their responsibilities. Because and don't of do him, their jobs. but that's because of him. Yeah. So and that means that, that the means manager that, is so the that means the culture that he's created, he can now step away from and be detached from and allow this feeling that the players are making their own decisions because they already know the rules. That's what Fergie they did. Already know, they already know oh, the guidelines. Yes. Yeah. They already know what they can and can't so do. So two years on from Solskjaer sacking, uh, we're at this point now with Manchester United. Where have they got to in 24 months, uh, irrespective of uh, the discussions, as, uh, the standards aspect to the discussion? And there's a message there, and I totally concur with it. I am so surprised this morning. Danny got in quick and mentioned Andy Johnson before Simon had the chance. Well, I was surprised <laughs> as well. Did yeah, he? yeah. Well, he knows. I used him because he knows what he's like. Yes. And he's a, a proper, per, like a, a professional that you want in your squad. Yes. And those type of guys are really important for managers to have on their side. Exactly. Uh, Andy still keeps in very close touch with Simon, even though he lives in southern Polynesia these days to get away from him. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. And it's back to Premier League football, domestic football throughout the country this weekend. And it's back with a bang as Manchester City hosts Liverpool. It's live and exclusive on Talk Sport. Manchester City have won the title for a fifth time in six seasons. You need someone that pulls you from behind to realise, oh my God, we are there, we are close. And how the boys from the cop would love to floor Pep for Klopp. It's a game, you play against City, it's the most difficult game of the season in every season. And it's that man again, Erling Haaland. They're the best team in the world. Gives it back to Bernardo Silva, 2-0, magnificent goal. When Liverpool get to the finishing line, they've always pushed us all the way to the last day. Brilliant finish on the half volley by Mo Salah. It is a stunning goal from Darwin Nunez. If you could reserve a seat for any sporting event this weekend, this would be it. Sam, you're absolutely spot on. And especially with the way it looks. Uh, Manchester City top, of course, and Liverpool giving chase just a, a, a point behind. So it's Manchester City against Liverpool, 12.30 kickoff, and it's live on Talk Sport. I mean, Danny, I know it's difficult to call, and I know where your allegiances lie. You, you would love Liverpool to win it, and I'm not surprised at that. But 
is it going to tell us much if we get a winner on the day as to the destination of the Premier League title? Well, I think if Liverpool go there and win, it certainly cements their position as a contender again, for sure. Um, as the contender? Probably, yeah. Um, I think it's a fascinating game because of the quality that's on show. It's a little bit disappointing that it's half 12, only because of the tempo and, and quality that you want to see the game played at. Did Jürgen tell you to say that? No, I just think from a... Forget, forget from... We're going to get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that in a bit, but I... I, I Anyway, forgetting that, putting that aside, I think it's an intriguing game because I think we saw what what City have been doing recently is releasing one of the centre-halves into midfield, whether it be a Kanji or Stones, rather than a full-back. And I think we saw at Chelsea, if you've got pace against them and there's a quick turnover, there's space to run into. And if Liverpool have Diaz, Salah and Nunes up top, there's no one better equipped than utilising space in behind teams than those three. So I don't see City at home changing what they've been doing, which is releasing. It was a Kanji at Chelsea. Stones, when he plays, he does it. He got One of the centre-halves is released into midfield, which creates spaces. And they're confident in keeping the ball and scoring goals themselves. The way City play, it's a great thing to watch. On mm. the flip side, what you've got is Liverpool releasing Trent into a midfield area from right back. And if Doku plays, with his amazing pace and directness, that's going to cause Liverpool a problem because Canati's been injured. And if Matip plays there and has to cover Trent, lack of athleticism against Doku. So there's all these yeah, little technical yeah. things going on. Incidentally, what about John Stones? Uh, apart from the fact he's a hell of a nice guy, I've met him on a number of occasions, he's come a long way since playing for his hometown club, Barnsley, hasn't he? Best centre-half we've got, Barnon. Best. Yeah. With the ball, best defect, quick, quick, strong, takes the ball anywhere, can come out with it. Yeah, wonderful. Got, we, to win the Euros, he's got to be fit for us to have a chance. And, and has this become a bigger rivalry uh, for Liverpool with, Man with Manchester City than the one with United? No. No, I, I think it's... It's more meaningful, surely. Yeah, I think there's been some bigger games in recent years because of them fighting the title out. It's become more... Pi the games have become more pivotal and monumental in the moment, but the rivalry of Liverpool-Man U will always be greater than Liverpool-Man City. Irrelevant of what's going on in the league. There's more hatred there. There's more... Rivalry goes back decades. That the, the Liverpool City thing would have to grow a bit more. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, there has been games recently where everything's been resting on it. This is a huge game. It's a, it's a bigger game for Liverpool in many ways. Well, well I mean, the, the incentive's huge. If they can find a way of going there and winning, yeah. and we're heading towards Christmas and the turn of the year, the incentive is huge. Well, I, I would have thought that it springboards them into rights. Let's see if we can go all the way now. Yeah, especially thing. after last if season. If City win, not so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know. You, you, I, I think from tipping in the past, uh, and our record is not brilliant in this respect, mm. yours is better than mine, but, but I think you would probably take City to win, Simon, with home advantage. Yeah, um, I think that's probably right. And history has taught us that lesson in terms of the nature of this fixture. I mean, obviously we've seen teams like Tottenham Hotspur go to Man City and beat them. Um, in games when Man City were in their pomp and it hasn't changed the direction. I don't think either one of these teams winning in this game defines the outcome of the league. No. I think it gives you a, a, you know, a, a confirmation of where people are at this moment in time, not where they're necessarily going to be. Man City are the best team in the country. Probably Man City are the best team in Europe. Best Liverpool the world. And the world, probably, you're probably right, yeah. And Liverpool are pushing again and starting to rebuild and starting to get back to where they were 
when I I mean I still find I have always felt that Liverpool I would rather watch Liverpool than I'd rather watch, than watch Manchester City not because of any particular bias I have towards Manchester City or Liverpool but I've always enjoyed the brand of football that Liverpool play more exciting more exhilarating more feral and and I think Danny said it a number of people have said it it's, it's not it's not meant to be to be disrespectful when you say Man City are boring but the domination of the ball almost has a familiar feel to it and an outcome that you know that's coming whereas with Liverpool there's more exhilaration and more excitement but I respect Man City's performances I respect the the, the beauty of their side I, I think that again I would expect Man City to win this game um, The big problem is with this time trying to predict this one is really difficult because there's two factors one is the injuries and knocks coming back from international we can't don't know yet Haaland's mm. a doubt etc etc um, and the other thing is the the attitude of the managers to play those players who might be turning up from South America on Thursday morning, whatever. Because I think Liverpool's, as I just mentioned earlier, it's crucial that you have pace to beat. To score against City and beat City, generally, I think pace is key. Pace is key. Well, not just, sorry, not right. just pace, energy and pace. Yeah. So, why Liverpool- do you see Liverpool as a stronger title contender than Arsenal, say? Um, is it the clock factor? When I when I look at the, it's firepower for me with those two. That's the key. I think there's lots of arguments with Liverpool Arsenal where you can say you'd rather have him than him and all that. We could go there all day. And the managers both, you know, terrific guys doing you know, doing good things. Klopp's obviously got more experience. The key the key thing, of course, yeah, Klopp's got more experience. I'd say yeah, in in, in answer to that. Mm. But when you look at Liverpool's firepower compared to Arsenal, so I've just mentioned Nunes. Salah and Diaz would be my front three. Yeah. And then you've still got Jota and Gapko to back them up. I don't think when you name... Arsenal's. It's Arsenal's, you feel the same. No. You know, because Saka's not Salah. He's a great player, but he's not Salah's numbers. Yeah. Jesus isn't... isn't I isn't. watched Martinelli rip into Seville. Yeah. Nunes won't score... Uh, sorry, Nunes will score more than Jesus. Mm. Jota will score more than Jesus. And Diaz will score more, probably score more than Martinelli now he's fit or equal. So, and Is Saka as a, not featuring this, yeah. No, I just compared Saka and uh, Saka and Salah, right? right Both right. terrific players, but Saka can't hit Salah's numbers, right? You know, so Liverpool's firepower for me is what I, when I look at the two teams now, gives me I think they'll finish above Arsenal because of their firepower. Well, as you rightly say, there's a whole bunch of them coming back from international duty and a whole bunch of them coming back from the other side of the world, exactly. In, so, it's in South America. And 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 you were, you mentioned it there. This twelve thirty kickoff before the break, before they all toddled off, Klopp couldn't help himself and brought up the significance of this twelve thirty kickoff time. How can you put the game like this on Saturday twelve thirty? Honestly, the people who are, who are making these decisions, they are just they, have, they cannot feel football. It's just not possible. They must if if that's the the, the moment where you where the world pays the most to see a football game. Nobody has to tell us. I don't know if that's the case or not. I really don't know. But I think there would have been a moment where you could let these two teams who have altogether probably 30 international players, they all come back in the same plane, by the way. The South Americans sit all in the same plane and fly back. We pick them up and then Uruguay, Brazil, Argentina, all Colombia, one game, one plane, and then we arrive here. So it's really mad. So, I mean... We know that. There is a list, and it's a lengthy one, Simon. Edison, Allison, mm. Alvarez, McAllister, Darwin, Nunes. Um, That's the consequence of buying the world's best players, isn't it? Well, the no, thing no, is, no, do well, you know what? I think you're right, though. When you buy a player, 
who represents a country from South America. You know what's going to happen. Yeah, he's talking more about, and normally I agree with you, I, th- I think you get on with it. You know, if, you, if you're Liverpool or Man City, you've got the best team, you're the best, one of the biggest clubs in the world, you've got this worldwide fan base. So unfortunately, the TV companies are going to dictate when you play and you have to yep. take it on the chin. You know, you earn your eight million a year, you manage great players, get on with it. But actually on this one, I make Klopp right because what, he, what I think is where he's going with this is this fixture is amazing. Because two great teams going head to head, and everybody should want to see these two teams. That's his latest shtick. No, I know, but he's it, can I talk away about from what, what he just... didn't like? So now he's now now basically attacking the principle because he knows the argument that he's going to. No, be... but but there is. A, let me finish. There's there's a there's substance in this particular argument he's bringing, which is this game is one of the best games you'll see in our season. And we want to see all the best players at full tilt, full energy and full fitness going at it. And if they're all flying back from all over, you're not going to get the best quality game that you could see a day later. Yes, I knew what you were going to say. That's his latest shtick. Yes, that is but I can only go on what he's just be- said, because, 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 because what, do you, what do you mean? Well, he, he's, he's now looking at the idea and saying, well, I've complained about it endlessly, about the unfairness of it. Right? So that's not before, that's fallen on infertile ground. I've complained about other things uh, as a result of it. It's constantly us. So now what I'll do is I'll go to the nub of it, because I know that the argument's going to come back at me, and the argument is going to come back at me, which is, come on, guys, these are the broadcast packages that are sold. Mm. And as a result of these broadcast packages, these slots need to be filled. And these broadcast packages packages are paid lots and lots of money for, right? And the reasons why you're in the economic position that you're in is because of these broadcast packages being sold. Yeah. So pack it in. So he's now going after the argument saying, well, actually, you're diminished out sooner rather than later because if we don't serve up good fare, then these broadcast packages won't be sold and they won't be in a situation with the quality. So what would the argument be then? Don't have a 12.30 slot, right? Or put Burnley versus Sheffield United in that slot and see how that gets sold. Yeah, I see your point, but the the, the, the fact the fact is, if you forget Klopp saying it, somebody else. Whoever, saying, yeah, well, you, got, the well, you can't Danny, forget Klopp it? saying it. I've just said I agree with. I, yeah. You've got to get on. If you've got to get Klopp, on. If, yeah. If, if, yeah. If, if, where he does have a case is it does seem to be repeatedly and endlessly Liverpool. That double, find more this slot. Any, double more than any. This does else. seem to be a strange phenomenon. Well, Liverpool's one of the most- eighty-eight million pound centre forward, right? You can work out why that might be. When you see the frequency of which you're on TV yeah. in certain slots, and you can think to myself, oh, I'm really lucky that I'm not scrapping around trying to buy a centre-forward for £10 million. And he'll say, I'm not competing in that marketplace. I'm competing against Man City and I'm competing against whoever else that's got the, the prerequisite funds. Look, I do. I have empathy with him that he's, he is the repeated go-to club yeah, yeah. on that basis. So there is solidity in his argument. Well, but the argument Argentina about- last night. It Alison was in goal for Brazil. It's not the game. It's McAllister the travel. McAllister was, was in the Argentina lineup. Yeah, that's it. That's D- it. Diaz plays for Colombia. Salah plays for Egypt. Yeah, but this one was last night. Yeah, Salah's not playing last this night. This one was last night. Salah wasn't the playing last thing, night. Did he not? So Brazil Argentina, you sure? as you rightly say, was in the early, was in our early hours here, but the chances are they're back. So where are we now? Wednesday lunch. Again, Saturday lunchtime. Well, I can only, I'll tell you from... I was just going to... a private jet. They're not still trying yeah. to check in yeah, it's at not, Rio Airport. It's not the day of the game. It's for the lads who travel as well. But the the, the ones who are further afield... We're not like Colum- easy jet, you know, with this... With this, with this no, but I was just going to give you my... I've, I've done it even from going into Europe. So say you go into Spain or yeah. Greece or whatever. Yeah. And you come back on a Thursday and you're playing on a Saturday morning lunch... 
it's harder playing that time than it is on the Saturday afternoon evening. We used to play Leeds at eleven thirty in the morning. You probably remember the games at Ellen Road, Jim. We used to—I don't know why they did it. Probably know, a police. You were tired. Half issue. eleven. Oh, you're shattered. Yeah, drinking. No. What? That's probably because of the licensing <laughs> restrictions upon being able to drink yourself to a standstill yeah, in a game against Liverpool. We're, we're laughing Leeds. about something that's you're 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 laughing about it because you've not experienced it. the quality of the. <laughs> no, we're laughing. We're no, not you. No, the quality of the game. You're quite right, Danny. You're laughing about something. The quality of the game is inferior at that time of day. Than it is later in the day or the next day when you so play again, well. Okay, so help us why. We'll is remind, that, we'll remind is you that, of that when it's four each. Is that because of the physicality requirements of having an extra two or three hours makes that much difference, or is it because of the atmosphere around the game? What is it? it, it yeah, it's a physicality of, of when you need to be at your absolute best to play the best team in the world. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.